Today we will discuss another clinic change I have made. I know this isn't medicine, which a lot of people like hearing, but it is how we accomplish practicing medicine, which is just as important as the medicine. This change came about in 2022, and there were a lot of factors involved in it. From a client's perspective, it doesn't make sense, but from a veterinary perspective, it makes tons of sense. It just feels wrong. For a long time, I couldn't figure out why it felt wrong, but then I realized it was two things. A combination of nostalgia and capitalism, and all the good and bad that go with both of those ideas. I'm Dr. Nathan, and today we're going to talk about why I reduce farm calls in the practice. We will start with an example of a call we got today. My receptionist answered the phone, and a good client asked if we could see his horse. The receptionist replied, certainly. We had been out to see six horses just the other day. She asked if the horse was walking. It was. Eating. It was. Drinking. It was. It was just a little lethargic. My receptionist informed the client we had appointments today or tomorrow at the office. The client didn't get rude, but became passive-aggressive and was wanting a farm call. My receptionist explained that we do farm calls for down animals, herds of animals like cattle, or when we have five or more animals to work on, including dogs and cats. She asked the client if he had more animals that needed anything. For example, he had five horses, and they were all out of date on their vaccinations. The owner said he had five animals, but only needed one worked on. My receptionist said he was welcome to haul in, and if the client didn't have a trailer, we had a list of horse haulers he could hire to bring the horse in. The client was upset and confused as to why we couldn't just schedule a farm call for his one horse. So how did we get to this point, or am I just being a jerk? Well, that same day I received an article. The link is in the Patreon, and its title is Industry Representatives to Discuss Ideas to Alleviate Kentucky's Shortage of Large Animal Veterinarians. It discusses the importance of vets for the food supply and large animal medicine. While horses are not the food supply, it is clear that a shortage of large animal vets also includes a shortage of services from equine vets, even in the horse capital of the world. A somewhat staggering number they produced was that only 5% of veterinarians in the U.S. practice on large animals. The other 95% have turned to research or small animal. In Kentucky, they say only 3% of vets have dedicated large animal practices. Now, to be fair, I think they're talking ruminants here, not horses. But horses are not far behind if you take Lexington out of the picture. They go on to say that only 54 vets are offering full-time services to large animals. As of 2022, I've been offering full-time service to these species for the past 12 years. I wonder if they're counting me. I can't ever remember them asking. Oh, well. They go on to talk about reasons there are few vets going into large animal medicine and how about 40% of large animal vets in Kentucky are within 10 years of retirement. Then they talk about some of the incentives to be large animal vets. As I was reading this article, I happened to glance over at Facebook and saw how one of my friends at their practice hired a young vet who had recently finished an internship at a large equine hospital. My friend's hospital was strictly a small animal hospital. 
Mostly, if you are doing an internship at an equine hospital, you are planning to work on horses. Well, that's hard to do at a small animal hospital. This guy was out of the horse world in a few years of practicing, seeing strictly small animals. We can talk about the reasons later, but it's clear there are less vets seeing large animals. For the rest of the discussion, I'm mostly talking about horses, but ruminants fall in line with this discussion, likely to more extremes. When I started practice, there were 15 to 18 large animal vets servicing my region, depending on which areas you count it and which professional timeline. Now in 2022, there are six that I can think of, plus a few that see an occasional case if they're feeling spunky. Of those six, only four of us are under or near the age of 40. The others, I believe, are in their 60s. And they can work as long as they like, but I know people are thinking about retirement at that age. Now there is a little give and take to those numbers. There are clinics that regions sometimes expand into mine, but one clinic I didn't count barely answers the phone, and the other rarely comes up my way because their practice is further south. But still, in a decade you can easily say the number of large animal vets in my area has decreased by half or more. Now, the number of large animals is still pretty high. People have them, and they want them seen especially when they are sick. So what is happening to us at the office? We are getting more calls of people that need to be seen at the same time. We are getting to be more in demand. My answer for meeting the need of getting everything seen was my clinic. I had a central location with a brick and mortar building that people could come to me and I could see multiple clients at a time. Of course, then we get the above conversation where that client didn't want to haul in. They were used to vets coming to their farm, and when there were 15 vets servicing a region, that was a selling point for that practice to get the customer's work. Here we are getting into the pros and cons of capitalism. Limited supply of a vet to high demand, and the services have to change or the prices have to change. I would dare say most people don't want the prices to go up any more than they naturally do. The guy with his horse earlier was concerned about the price of the horse haulers. So I made a different change. I changed my services instead of drastically changing my prices. And this was not an unexpected change. I had been planning this change since I opened my business. I wanted to grow my business into a brick-and-mortar business that still completed farm calls for the longevity of the practice and for my personal stability. And what prompted me to do this and told me it was time was my bank account, my lifestyle, and my clinic growth rate. I had saved enough to invest in a brick-and-mortar and my clinic growth rate was dropping. I was reaching the market saturation of what I could do in a truck. I generally have a growth rate of the clinic of about 20%. When that dropped, I realized I was reaching my market saturation. I was reaching the point of what I could do in a truck, so I had to make some hard decisions. Was this outdoor vet in a truck lifestyle what I wanted to continue? 
I certainly love phone calls. I built my practice on them and hope to write a book on the situations I have been in. Farm calls is what everyone imagines that's doing. Farm calls James Harriet style where we are in the muck working in long gloves saving one animal at a farm. But are those days done and gone? Maybe not in every situation. But I started realizing it wasn't making sense. It was a lot of fast food meals and long hours and although I was paying the bills, I wasn't potentially getting ahead or protecting myself long-term in life. I would work all day, then come back and work on records or running lab work until about 9 o'clock at night, and then go see an emergency, and then do it all again. While not applicable to every practice, I was not seeing a way to build up the staff or finances to hire a second vet. So everything relied on me. If I was sick, or my truck had an accident, or a pandemic struck, my business and my ability to serve animals could be hurt severely. But I mean, a pandemic would never strike, right? I had a very specific set of things I could do in the truck, and everything from weather to my health greatly affected what I could do. While farm calls are nostalgic and romantic, they are harder to make money on and see clients. Most of my appointments are a 20 to 30 minute drive from my clinic or my home and a 20 30 minute drive back or to the next appointment. In comparison, in the hour I was driving, I could see multiple appointments at my brick and mortar clinic. So, for example, just today I had my tech knocking a dog surgery down while I was walking in and out of the building seeing an emergency colic. I approved three drug prescriptions for ongoing cases. I could not have done all of that in the truck on my way to a farm call where I had no cell service. And what is the biggest thing I heard on the phone or when I hired a receptionist the number one complaint from clients that my receptionist get? Why can't you get me in sooner? So we listened to those owners. Owners just don't always like the fixes we come up with. Probably what the owners want is the vet to work late into the night, like they envision with James Harriet. They, that just doesn't always make sense. I don't mind seeing emergencies late at night, but I don't want to see chronic issues at night. I want to sleep, and I want to be able to have the finances to hire someone so I'm not seeing them 24-7, 365. So I decided I would get the brick-and-mortar clinic opened up. And I noticed big changes in my life. First, I got home and my work was done. Second, I saw more appointments. Third, I was able to do more work. Fourth, I could get people in faster. Fifth, and for anyone who works in a truck all day, they will appreciate this, working out of my clinic, I had a dedicated toilet that I know I could use any time. So yeah, things were going well and my clients didn't realize how close they came to losing a vet. There were two times I considered shutting down my business. One was with a bad accountant, and the second was because after years of my ambulatory lifestyle, I had decided I did not want to continue that lifestyle indefinitely, and could not obtain the life I wanted by just being an ambulatory vet. Also, my goal was to provide a clinic that would serve the community full-time, and I couldn't work full-time forever. 
And after I'm gone, who was going to do anything? In my region, I was not finding a suitable way to grow my ambulatory practice that would entice new vets to join and continue it when I was ready to retire. So my brick and mortar. And what comes with a brick and mortar? More and better services for the animal. I'm not saying my ambulatory service was bad, but I can do more things. And I have more equipment and more supplies and more staff to meet the client's needs. And then I get more bills, more overhead for the vet to have to afford. Though more animals seen. I started expanding small animals as well since everyone kept asking me to do more small animal work. Since small animal work generates more money, this allowed me to continue other services like cattle work longer. It allowed me to buy my new x-ray generator so I could use that on horses, which didn't generate enough money alone from x-rays to warrant purchasing an x-ray. With farm calls, I had people calling me out for nail trims on a dog or a Coggins test with no vaccines on one horse. We were driving in an hour and a half to make under $100. That was not paying the bills when I had more staff. So I needed to get clients in faster as they were asking for. Since people wanted the services, I was able to keep making money and stay in business. But that meant more animals needed to be seen because I had a larger client base. And you want your vet to get a larger client base. If the business stagnates or falls, they may go out of business. With all this, the number one complaint we kept hearing was still, why can't you get me in sooner? So even though I still do farm calls, we had to find more time in the day to get clients in. We wanted to make the customer happy and give them what they were asking for. So we came up with a way to deal with that by putting restrictions on farm calls. Basically, we weren't coming out for single animals. We do farm calls for groups of animals. This made more sense economically, and it cut down on the time I was driving, allowing me to use that time to see more patients. So what complaint do we hear now, since we are offering people day of or next day services? Why can't you come out to my farm? <sighs> I have a clinic and staff that can see multiple emergencies at once. Gives me more financial stability and longevity of practice. Gets people in faster, has kept prices reasonable, and is more appealing to veterinarians that can sustain the practice long term. And clients are still upset. Sometimes I just shake my head. There's a give and a take, and I'm happy with the decisions I have made. The clinic seems more stable and profitable, and I'm better able to practice medicine, which I enjoy. And I gave the clients what they asked for, maybe just not how they imagined. I like thinking long term. My clients are thinking more immediate. I have to have a business that will be lucrative and enticing enough to grow staff so that I can hire veterinarians to sell the practice to when I retire. If I don't, the practice will shut down and there will be one less veterinarian serving the community. And maybe there are ways I could have figured out how to manage it to meet all the client's expectations. But for an outdoor vet, I'm pretty smart. And this is the best I could come up with. And remember, a decade ago there were 18 vets seeing large animals in my area. Now there's six. One of them is me.
Maybe that means my ideas aren't half bad. This isn't justification for what I have done. This is just explanation. But what I hope it does is let other vets know options for decisions in their own practice and helps clients see their expectations need to be tempered, not with nostalgic ideas of what a vet should be, but with the realism that we are surviving in a capitalistic world where we have to follow the money. People want to be seen. If we get things in the door more quickly, we get more money. We keep prices down because we are seeing more, and maybe we keep working on large animals. But the trade-off to us still working on the large animals is you may have to bring them to us. Because frankly, there aren't many of us left. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. I hope our discussions are valuable to you and aid in giving perspective. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud. If you find this information helpful and want more content, please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash theveterinarypodcast. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theveterinarypodcast. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. If you do find it helpful, please like it, share it, so other people may find it helpful.